0: Listening to the One Two Three Show with me, Noreen Mir, this Thursday afternoon. Let's turn to our first topic and guest of today. October is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month, and today is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Remembrance Day. And it's a topic that many people don't talk about because of the unimaginable pain and also the taboo that surrounds it. Well, on today's program, we're talking about it and to commemorate and honor our babies who are gone too soon due to miscarriage, stillbirth. And I'm also honored to be joined by Victoria. Victoria Wisniewski-Otero, who's here to share her story with us. Thank you so much for joining us today, Victoria. Um, It's really our honor to to have you share your story with us. Um, It's a personal story, and it's often quite private, so I I understand it's not easy to, and and so thank you so much for taking the time uh, for, for joining us today. Uh, we are also on facebook live as well noreen mayor on rthk radio 3 is the page to go to feel free to 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 join us there as well um and uh, perhaps you can offer words of encouragement and also perhaps it also give a lot of people a chance uh uh, permission to grieve uh, as well uh victoria thank you so much for for joining us so can you share your pregnancy loss story with us
1: yes um and and i'm sorry for the connection issues sometimes it goes in and out but i'll do my best um so i've been in hong kong around seven years and around four years ago my husband and i we wanted to start a family and um it's in in the last couple of years we've had three miscarriages so um the first one was at ten and a half weeks the second one was at 14 weeks and the third one was at eight and a half weeks. And um, in all of the cases, the miscarriages were after we had heard the heartbeat um, many, many, a couple of times. Normally, you know, they say, if you hear the heartbeat a couple of times, it's normally a pretty promising sign. Um, you know, the um, baby had hands and limbs uh, a lot of times on the ultrasounds. And, um, and really, I think for us, um, you know, we had silent miscarriages in all instances. So you have no warning signs. And so we would go into the ultrasound looking forward, um, at least in the first one, looking forward to seeing the baby's development and reconnecting with our baby only to see that um, the baby had passed away. And, um, it you know it got to a point I think where you're on pins and needles when you go to the doctor's office. So um, happily, um, I'm actually seven months pregnant now, and we're welcoming a baby girl in December, just in time for Christmas. Um, but I think for me, you know, I never had a kind of innocent pregnancy after the first one because it was very hard to. Um, accept that it was happening and and um until uh, almost around the halfway mark of the pregnancy um but yeah that's that's more or less what we've gone through and we also had a chemical pregnancy as well so this is actually our my fifth pregnancy
0: let's talk about the different types of miscarriages you you mentioned just now a chemical pregnancy and a silent miscarriage what are those for, for some of our listeners who may not know what they are
1: Well, um, a a chemical pregnancy, and I'm I'm not a doctor, so I'm interpreting it in my way, but um, it's when you have a very, very early miscarriage. So um, the hormones that um, happen when you get pregnant, um, they happen very early on. So normally when you first find out you're pregnant, it's either through a urine test or a blood test and they pick up that hormone. So you might have the elevated hormone, but actually um, it goes down over time. So that that would be a chemical pregnancy. Um, and then in a silent miscarriage, you know, sometimes there's a, a warning sign of a miscarriage because maybe there's um, blood loss spotting, or cramping, yes. um, spotting. But in um, my cases, at least, um, there, we never had that warning sign
0: yeah so the baby had passed away without you knowing and each time you'd go to the doctor's office to look forward to to, to the heartbeat um and and to see the development um how how did the doctors sort of t- tell you i mean did, w- were they sort of very uh, caring and uh, like looked thoroughly before they sort of announced it or was it like oh very instant what was the bedside manner like
1: mm so the first time um the first time the the what I remember is um, that the doctor was silent for a very long time and kind of examining, and I, I remember just feeling um, I don't know if this is a good thing. Um, and I can see the screen as well, and you know normally they normally the doctor would detect a heartbeat pretty quickly, um, and that wasn't happening. And so I had a premonition, um, and that that period of silence felt really really long but i also think that um the doctor she did a good job in the se- in the sense that she wanted to really make sure and double check before she would deliver something so terrible to us um and so um by the you know by the time of the other miscarriages i i could by the last one i you know i could say something's wrong no uh, and uh and I knew, um, but um, but I have to say, I mean, pretty. I remember the just the just being blindsided by the news the first time, and um, not really processing everything. And um, the the doctor going going pretty quickly into telling me what the medical options were and what the next steps were, um, which I think is appropriate for for the job. Uh, but I, I think it was just so much to process. And I I was I was just you know, we were just focusing on the next steps. Yeah. Like uh but but I think the emotional kind of boomerang almost. I mean, it happened that that there was a lag in the emotional aspect. And the emotional aspect really hit me um like only a week later after the operation in the first case. And the second miscarriage I because it was a, a second trimester miscarriage. I actually had to deliver the baby in the hospital and it took a week to happen because the medicine that they were trying to use on me to induce me wasn't working. Um, so that was a very, very different experience. And then also, um, as I'm sure we'll talk about my options for, for grief were very different each time as well.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about some of the, I do, I
1: do wish that, um, it, it, if i could ha- if i could speak about anything i think um it would be good in those um doctors offices that at least there's a pamphlet that is given to you uh you know when it happens to help you understand what you can expect not just physically but psychologically because it is traumatic and uh i think you know i i you looked at resources later in other places um but i do wish that maybe um in there Hong Kong there, there to was have something there because yeah we often even cou- at, you know a counselor counselors. that they could refer me to uh so so yeah, that's that's one thing that I think could have been lacking. But the doctor herself, I think, was very empathetic. And I think it was hard for her too. She was my doctor throughout, and it was hard for her too to see me go, going through something like this.
0: Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of the emotions that perhaps you and your husband, I mean, um, what were some of these emotions and, and how did you end up coping with them? Because like you said, there weren't any immediate resources available. What's available is perhaps... Afterwards, you've had to look for them yourself, or perhaps rely on friends and family. Um, but how did you cope through some of these emotions, and what were some of the initial emotions, and how did it change throughout the the, the various pregnancy losses?
1: I didn't cope very well at first. Um, I think when, unfortunately, when the first one happened, it was at a time in my life where I was just so busy with so many obligations, and I I felt. I couldn't afford to take time out. And so I kind of just kept going and I stomached it and I kept it to myself. Um, we did tell our immediate friends and family. Um, and I think I, there was a, there was like this difference or disconnect between what people would tell me and how I felt inside. So, uh, you know, around a week after, I think people assumed I'd, I'd recovered because I'd recovered physically, but actually that's when the emotions were only starting to hit me. And so people, if they would ask some, how I was doing, they'd assume that I, I was like turning a new leaf or something. Mm-hmm. And some people also just out of good intention, they knew I had had the experience miscarriage but they didn't ask me how I was doing they would ask me about work they would ask me about anything else but they wouldn't bring it up it's like the
0: white elephant and, in the room and just because it, yeah, you don't definitely. talk about it it doesn't mean you're not feeling these emotions and quite frankly sometimes it's perhaps more painful when people don't acknowledge this
1: yes, yes. it was painful um and I felt inauthentic and I felt like others were being inauthentic and I've, 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 and that made me even angry, I would say. Um, and so, but then also questioning if something was wrong with me, like what should I be feeling what I'm feeling? And, um, I think what really helped me was, um, I'd never really, I mean, I've lost some grandparents, but I've never really, um, gone through great grief before in my life and and a a woman a friend of mine who had lost a mother at a young age in her 20s she'd let me borrow a book about grief and I think that's when I first realized that what I was going through was grief and um that book talked about disenfranchised grief because there's like certain types of grief that society doesn't really recognize so um a miscarriage is one of those um another type could be um like in the 1980s um partners who lost their loved ones due to aids and weren't you know allowed to go to the funeral or even assuming that a child with disabilities wouldn't be able to un- understand grief or wouldn't be grieving um the loss of a loved one so um you know what I what I wanted at the time I think was a validation of my emotions and what I what I felt people people would say don't lose hope I I never felt a loss of hope I think what I felt at the time was like I needed to um, like my my lost child needed to be validated in this world somehow. And so that's when I started to think about, well, what will happen to her body, and um, is there a way that we can bury her um, and it, like acknowledge her? I felt, I felt like I'd already—it was not a not fair emotion on myself, but I felt like I had let her down, and that I would only be letting her down again because I was told that in Hong Kong, if it's a fetus under 24 weeks, it's just buried as if it were I mean it's medical it's discarded waste. in a exactly. landfill like medical waste yeah and um, and that was um so hard for me and um and so I I you know at, the, at that time I kind of felt like oh I need a, a way to um express my love and kind of commemorate you know this child and the time we did have together and I quickly learned that um that wasn't possible in Hong Kong at the time which was a a double a double loss because it's the loss of losing the child losing also the because I hadn't had a child before it was losing the idea of parenthood as well um but then it was also the loss of not being able to say goodbye in the way that I would have wanted
0: because you've you've had several pregnancy loss did each time get harder or were you able to sort of and how were they different did you, you mentioned in the first one you didn't tell anybody about it really just close friends and family were you more open subsequently in in other pregnancies um how, how did that help in, in any way did it help um, but by sharing by talking about it
1: well um you know, after my first miscarriage, I, I got angry with some family and loved ones, which, you know, m- was not easy for them, because the I think they were also trying. To... The stages of yeah. grief, it
0: really is, yes. you know, anger is yeah. one of them. <laughs> yes.
1: And they were all, I think we learned from each other. You know, I I learned about what I was experiencing, and they learned how to be better able to support me. And I, I learned to express myself too. I think I'm someone that, it's hard for me to ask for help. I, te- you know, I tend to retreat on my own when.
0: You're a solv. It's just how it yourself I kind of,
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, and so um, I learned to, you know, communicate better when I need something and I need help. But also, um, about a half year after the first miscarriage, I happened to just be in a meeting where I was I was meeting new people. And we were introducing ourselves and this one lady she said she was working on a campaign with some politicians to change the policies in hong kong so that fetuses under 24 weeks could be buried in public cemeteries and i remember that i was actually sitting behind her and i remember just my heart was like pumping out of my chest i mean i had such a such a visceral reaction that surprised me and um I went up to her and I said I needed to talk and we we actually did meet up and um, she encouraged me to consider taking part in this campaign because they would be releasing a video uh, to raise awareness and I really uh hesitated at first because it's hugely personal I was worried about the impact it might have on my work and my organization I didn't want to do anything that would compromise that and um, And I also didn't want to be seen as this kind of really sad lady, like a pitiful woman, you know. And um, and but but then I thought to myself in, in my in my life purpose, I always encourage people to share their story to create change. How could I not do that? And then I realized that this could be an opportunity to find meaning in the loss, because I think when the first loss happened, I just couldn't understand why. And, um, and I'm not a religious person. So it's hard to I didn't have a template to or guide to under to make sense of it. And um, I think it made it was like a gift of giving me something that I could make sense, you know, this idea of participating to create change so that other families have better options in the future. It, It made me feel like there would be some meaning in that. And then she told me that, it would be released on the day that would have been the birthday of our, of our first child. And then I just knew,
0: I couldn't say no. Yeah.
1: I just, I, I knew I had yes. to do it. Yeah. And, um, and that really helped um, what I thought give closure to me. And I was happy with that. Um, when the second miscarriage happened, we were then able to bury our, our, we learned it was a daughter. We were able to bury our daughter in the public cemetery that, her sibling opened up because of that campaign. So I felt a tremendous happiness in that and a tremendous closure.
0: Yeah. I think it also came at a stage where you were able to sort of, you know, talk about it a little bit more because had you met the lady who was campaigning a bit earlier, perhaps you know no matter how compelled you felt the timing wasn't right so that that timing was was right so now help us understand the law a little bit if the fetus is born under 24 weeks it's no longer discarded as medical waste parents will get a chance to bury their baby now
1: um sorry the connection went out a little but um uh i i got i understood uh um so now I think at least people have options. Um, and so one option is you can request. I mean, there's, you know, navi- even when there were the options ready, the navigating that was very hard for me, too, especially no as a pamph- non-Chinese.
0: Teacher. Yeah. Were there any pamphlets or anybody sort of talking you through these process?
1: Um, you know, there's many. Also, so you have to get the release from the hospital. Then you have to coordinate with the cemetery and the um government department. So there's kind of like three parties. And I, I was just a little lost. Um, but luckily, because I met people through the campaign, I, I was able to get um, there was a lady, a very kind lady who um, uh, helped me navigate the whole thing and, and 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 was with me for the funeral as well. And um, she was just so kind. I mean, she she actually, um dug the grave herself in in the rain and, mm. and uh, was, and, and also I think the other thing is I never organized a, a kind of funeral and I didn't know what to even do. I, I didn't know, I didn't understand what, what, what am I, what do I do? And she was giving me a lot of ideas. Like I could play a song. I could write a letter and then bury the letter with the child. I could buy a toy to, to, you know, one toy for same toy but put one in the box and people and myself which I did put flowers and so she really guided me through the whole grief process because it's I think it's um a bit uncomfortable because you know people don't know did I have a child or did I not have a ch-? what what who am I am I a mother am I not a mother did, did I have a, a a child or did I not have a ch- child but ultimately what this is about giving people space to grieve and dignity. Um, That's what I realized. And uh, that that really offered me the chance. Yeah. And so now, yes, the government, what I remember at the time is I wanted to do a cremation, that would have been my preference. But I don't think it was, I I don't remember why, but it it wasn't possible. Um, But before that, you know, there had been some kind of, I don't know, black market things where people would cremate their babies in a pet summit, you know, with pet a summit, pet. Yes. Yeah, but that's very again, it's about the dignity. And so through that campaign, you know, that was acknowledged. And uh it and I really appreciate you know even the government officials that I, I've never met that made that happen. Um because I'm, I'm sure it helps a lot of families.
0: There's so much we, we want to talk about. We're about five minutes before the two o'clock news. There's one thing I, I do want to talk about, and is that many people sort of don't understand the grief and, and the pain that comes with losing a baby. Um, and... It's not because they don't want to talk about it. It's because they don't know how to approach it. It's that white elephant we were talking about. Just because you're not asking somebody about their loss and death, it doesn't mean they're not feeling those pains. So uh, having gone through this yourself, Victoria, what are some of the things to say to someone who's gone through a pregnancy loss? And what are some things not to say? um, Just so that, you know, I'm sure we'll have friends and family going through this. And a lot of times people don't say anything. And maybe that's more painful in a way to not acknowledge their pain
1: Mm, yeah well I mean I'll answer that but just very quickly to people who might be going through this whether you're the person who was pregnant or whether you're the partner um, or the grandparent or you know the sibling like you're not alone and um, I think what really helped me was all those strangers who actually Supported me through these processes, as well as friends and family. Um, and, but you have to seek that support as well, and uh, and there will be a community for you if you do. Um, but and I hope that by sharing this on the radio, you know, uh, which doesn't come naturally to me, but I, I I hope it can help other people. But for those who are you know, face with someone they know who's going through this. I think the first thing is it is relatively common. Um so chances are you might have had some similar experience or something, but that doesn't mean that it's any less hard. So something that was hard for me to hear was, you know, oh it's real well, it's you know, it's it's relatively common. Um parents die as well and that's fair relatively common. <laughs> that but seem- that is not what we say to people. Mm. Um And then the other thing is, um, and this is something I'll need to keep in check with myself too, but, you know, projection. So the way I felt doesn't necessarily mean that another person would feel the same way, or even how I felt in the different miscarriages was unique every time as well. So um, I think, you know, being careful not to assume the emotions. Um, As I mentioned before, people assumed I was hopeless, but I wasn't. Um, Also, some some friends we had, you know, they would have um, they would have become pregnant and kind of lose contact with us because they assumed I would get upset. We would get upset. But I had never any issue being around children. And I I, and I felt a little sad to be kind of isolated in that way. (laughs) Um, But I think what can help is um, acknowledging it checking in with people even if it happened a couple weeks ago a couple months ago just checking in from time to time you may feel like you're you might be triggering the person or um, that uh, you're you're making them kind of go back to bad feelings but I, I think chances are they would appreciate it. And, you know, the anniver the birthday, so if you if you know what would have been the birthday on that day, check in with that person or today, which is a commemorative day, you know, just send them a message saying that you're thinking of them and that you um, are there for them. And I, I think that and, and just listening, there were a lot of people that we when we hear bad things, we want to give advice, we want to make it better. But sometimes just listening, um, and I I think that's true for any kind of grief that people might be going through, not just, you know, miscarriage. But um, I think in particular with uh, miscarriage or infertility or or infant loss, um, you know, just allowing the parents that space space to acknowledge their child and and acknowledging that they do. They had a a child, you know, and some people maybe at eight weeks, they don't think that way, but maybe some people, you know, do. So uh, also understanding that people are very different as well. We're all we're all very we react in different ways.
0: Absolutely, well said, Victoria. I just want to say thank you so much for your sharing today. Like I said at the beginning, it's such a private and personal journey, and I hope by you sharing your story, it'll give our listeners who are tuning in, maybe they're going through a loss themselves. Permission to grief, and you know, grief can come in all sorts. It can come in waves, and and there's no set way to, to grief. You know, um, so I just I just really hope that this will help people out there. And Victoria, you're incredible. You know, I think the world of you, and we're so happy uh, for you. And your husband congratulations uh, once again this is such an important topic um got me to it i had a box of tissue really for um uh, re- ready uh, on standby but i'm so thankful you chose to come on the one two three show to share your story and i look forward to more great news uh, from you next time in december congratulations baby. exactly <laughs>